want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, this is, um, I told our college group this morning, I wasn't going to go into all of the details of what I was going to talk about on this morning because I would have had to give them the sermon and they may have gone home and not heard the end of it, so I just kept saying, um, here's what you're going to hear Turn with me over to chapter 6. Um, by the way, ladies, uh, we have our women's Bible study starting back pretty soon in the book of Ephesians. I mean, I'm sure it's going to do a whole lot better job than I do. But they have really been, really been working on that, so we're, we're real excited about that. And, and I know she, she does a Bible study online if you want to... Um, um, like that group, become a part of that group. She put some things out there. Uh, there were some things, Tanya, I wanted to uh, share, but I, I began to realize last night what it was. Um, you ladies who uh, want to have children, we're going to provide child care for that. And if you would just see Tanya and let her know uh, what's going on. Uh, when I was coaching, uh, we used to have a game plan. Uh, and then we would work on trying to execute that game plan uh, the whole time. Now, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Uh, game plan usually based on what the other team was doing and how you uh, had to try to um, defend uh, what they do best. I, our power was off, and I didn't get to see the game yesterday. But I heard that uh, Tennessee Titans really put the hurt on um, the quarterback from the Ravens, um, Jackson. Uh, his forte is to run around and wear everybody out uh, until they get tired of chasing him and him take off up the field. I understand they didn't let him do that last night. had a good game plan. I'm, I'm going to, I want to go through kind of the whole book of Ephesians this morning, but I want to, I want to really hone in on chapter 6 because the next several weeks, I just think it would be a good good time for us to be um, talking about spiritual warfare and, and how to, how to uh, overcome the temptations of life uh, beginning in the new year. Uh, it's, it's not a coincidence. It wasn't planned, y'all, but it's not a coincidence that we sang the song that we sang right there at the end because that's where we're kind of headed. But let's just go ahead in verse 10, and let's just read through uh, some of these verses. I'll look, look at specifically uh, verse 10, 11, and 12 this morning, but I want to read down through verse 20. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, already the wiles of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of that, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, may, may able, uh, to resist in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Circle that, to stand, okay? That becomes very important in our lesson this morning. And then he mentions it again in verse 14. Stand, therefore... Because you are standing and because you are to put on this whole armor of God, stand. Having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
having put your, uh, having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery darts or the fiery arrows of the, of the devil. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, th- this is, there's not a new paragraph here, so this becomes part of the, uh, the armor that we're to put on, okay? Praying. Praying is not something separate from the armor that's mentioned here. It's a part of the armor, okay? How do we pray? Praying in the Spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. To that end, to be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, here's what I would ask you to do, okay? I am not an ambassador in chains, so we'll leave that part out. But here's what I'm asking of you. Pray for me. Here it is. That the power to speak may be given to me. Somebody said to me this week, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if word got out that Calvary is one church that will stand on the truth and that will tell you the truth and will not compromise the truth. And this culture and day and age we live, ladies and gentlemen, that, that takes boldness to do that. So here's what he said, so that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now I want to specifically hone in on verse 10, 11, and 12 this morning. I'm going to talk to you just for a minute about uh, the, the game plan. Here, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Um, it's as if the Holy Spirit sets us down and says, okay, here's the plan. There's going to be struggles in your life. There's going to be battles in your life. Here's the plan. And if you'll go by the plan, you'll be able to resist the schemes of the devil. So I want to share with you some thoughts this morning about that. But I want you, first of all, to understand uh, how we can do that. Now, if you study the Bible, and especially the writings of Paul, if, if you read Paul's letters, you will find out that most of the time, almost all of the time, in Paul's letters, if there are six chapters, if there are four chapters, whatever, the first half of the book will be teaching. It'll be the doctrine. It's the, it's the do this. It's the, it's the here it is. Here, here's, here's, what's, here's what you are. Here's what we've got. Here's the doctrine. Here's, here's the meat. Okay? And then the last half will always be, and here's how you do that. Uh, you don't have to ask in the writings of Paul, and, and, and we mentioned this this morning, People say, well, you know, I know the Bible. I just want to learn how to apply it. Read Paul. Read the first part. He'll give you the doctrine. Read the second part, and he will give you the, the application, so to speak, okay? Now, something very interesting takes place here, and here's kind of the way, here's kind of the way we're going to head into this. There are some things that we know that Paul has written in the book of Ephesians. It is a knowledge of what we know that helps us battle, okay? So I just want to go through here. I'll, I'll mark some things. I want to go through here. If you can follow along with me if you want to. But, but let's, let's talk about this just for a moment. Now, uh, if, we, if we were to go through chapter 1 especially, 
uh, it becomes very interesting because there are some things that are mentioned over and over and over again. The first thing that Paul gives to us is our spiritual blessings. Here's what you have in Christ. Here's who you are in Christ. Here's what Christ has given you. And he says that those things that he has given us, the origination of those things are in heavenly places, in heaven. So the things that God has given to you, he's given to you out of the riches of heaven itself. Okay? So follow along with me. We're going to run through these pretty quick. Uh, Chapter 1, you'll see this phrase used over and over again, and and basically two phrases. He says in verse 5, according to the good pleasure of his will, these gifts are not earned. These gifts, these blessings that he gives us are not deserved. They are according to the good pleasure of his will. Now look at this. Why? To the praise of the glory of his grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. We are given these gifts by his good pleasure. Why? To the praise of his glory. Now he says in, also in verse 7, according to... To the riches of His grace. So we are given these these good gifts. We are giving these these spiritual blessings because of His good pleasure. It brings glory to His grace according to the riches of His grace. So it's one of those ideas where it's overly abundantly more than we could ask or think. We don't know everything we do have in Christ. It's going to take all eternity, ladies and gentlemen, to figure that out. Now, he moves over a little bit, and he mentions it again in verse 19, according to the working of his mighty power. Do you, do you, are you following me here? It's his good pleasure. It's, it's what, he, what he wills for us. It's to the praise of the glory of his grace, according to the riches of his grace, according to his good pleasure. And then he says in verse 11, according to the purpose of him who works all things, According to the counsel of his own will. That we, he says, who were the first to hope in Christ, should live for the praise of his glory. Praise. Now look, we do a little bit of that. I'm not sure we grasp what real praise really is. But we, we attempt in our own way to do that. But, I, but, but it's just, look down in verse uh, 14. Here it is again. Praise of his glory. The singing this morning, the teaching this morning, the, the coming together and fellowshipping this morning is to the praise of his glory. Uh, according, look at this, according to the working of his mighty power. So the first thing Paul does is he says, look, you have been given all these spiritual blessings. Before he ever gets to the warfare, you've been given all of these spiritual blessings distributed to you by God, given to you by God because of his own good will for the praise of his glory, by the working of his own mighty power. So the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, here's in, in as layman terms as I can possibly make it. Just sit down and soak up the glory. Okay? Remember we said last week, now, now, now this is going to make sense to you because you remember last week I said pride is this. Pride is touching the glory. 
It's God's glory. It's not yours. It's none of yours. And pride has a way of kind of wanting to touch that and become a part of that. No, it's not. It's all him, okay? And, and, and then he moves into chapter 2. And I want to show you something here because really, look at, look at verse 20 of chapter 1 with me just for a minute. Which he performed in Christ according to, to the working of his mighty power, which he performed in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now look at this. And seated him at his own right hand. Underline that. Seated him at his own right hand. Okay? We know that. But look at what else he says to us. Down in chapter 2 and verse 6. He has raised us up and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He set Jesus on the throne according to his power when he raised him from the dead. When you got saved, ladies and gentlemen, he seated you with him. That's why we can... Start moving into talking about now about what spiritual warfare is and how to defeat it. Seated us together. Now watch Mani wrote a little book on the book of Ephesians. And he basically said three things, and I want to kind of take off on those this morning. Number one, he says, as Paul writes, you find in chapter one that we, we, we begin to understand now that, that we are to sit the Christian life, the beginning of Christian warfare begins with sitting. Warriors, as one writer said, need to learn to be waiters. Okay? You, you, you sit. You, you spend time with Christ. You, you absorb all of these glorious things that he's giving you. You begin to understand you are seated. You are secure. And all of these spiritual blessings that he gives you. Okay? And then... He moves on into the second chapter. And in verse 10 toward the end, he says, talking about these good works, we are not saved by works, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now listen, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Walk in good works. Y'all with me? So we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. We are walking in good works. We are, we are becoming more and more and more. Now turn to chapter 3 and just look over to verse 7. Of this I was made a minister, Paul said, according to the gift of grace given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, now this becomes important. So underline that. The effective working of his power. Okay? I'm making a point here, so just hang with me. Verse 10. So that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he completed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then he moves down to verse 16. According to the riches of his glory. Now look at this. Power to be strengthened. By his spirit in the inner man. Y'all with me so far? Okay. Verse 20. The last section. According to the power that works in. Circle this word. Us. According to the power that works in us. Okay. Now. 
we start out by sitting. We are just absorbing all of the spiritual blessings that God has given us. In this spiritual battle, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have to learn to sit. We have to learn to sit at his feet. We have to learn to be taught by his spirit. We have to, we have to grasp who we are and what we have in Christ. And then there comes this walking in good works. Look at verse um, chapter 4, verse 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called. So, so we are walking in good works, but we need to walk in a worthy manner. He's talking about our behavior now. Now he's moved into the practical side of the way the Christian life ought to be. Walk in a manner worthy. Look at verse 17 of, of, of chapter 4. Therefore I say and testify in the Lord that from now on you walk... Not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, excluded from the life of God through the ignorance that is within them due to the hardness of their hearts, being calloused. They have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity. But, but you did not learn Christ in that manner. And he says in verse 24, So put on the new nature which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. You could basically say what he's saying is we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, but we are to walk in holiness. Walk in holiness. We talked to our kids this morning. I call them our kids. They're my kids, our, my college kids. One of the questions we ask is, how, how do we get distracted and how's the devil? What are some of the schemes of the devil? And one of them is, is when we, when we turn away from the world is when we're going to be attacked. When we turn away from the world. We talked about some of the things that, uh, that in their lives that happen when they do that, when they take that stand. And how their friends kind of, kind of shun them and how they are criticized. But the fact of the matter is, we are told if we're going to win a spiritual battle, we have to learn to walk in holiness. Okay. So we are walking in a manner worthy of our calling. We are working, walking in holiness. Now look at verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Verse 2, we are to walk in love. Y'all all know what that is. That's agape kind of love. That's, that's an unconditional kind of love. As, as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we are to walk in love. We are to walk in holiness. We are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Look down in verse 8. We are to walk as children of light. That is our behavior. As a believer, you're characterized by your walk. And your walk basically means your everyday practical kind of living. The question is, how are you walking? What, What does your walk look like? Okay, because he says in verse 15, walk carefully, walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise men, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So we are sitting in heavenly places. We are walking with Christ and then... By the way, you can go back even to the first part of verse of chapter 6, and it talks about even your relationship with your wife and with your children. 
Is your relationship with your wife walking in holiness? Walking worthy of your calling? You know, I, I, I suspect that more of us probably get sideways with each other in our marriages than we do anybody else. Um, my wife and I certainly do. If, if we're going to have any, any kind of thing at all going on in our lives, and we don't, we've been married long enough, and we, just, you know, we don't have those anymore, you know, pretty much. Uh, but, but if the devil really wants to get us, he, he's going to get us through our family. My daddy said this one time, and I think he's absolutely correct. My dad said this. The devil doesn't have a woman beautiful enough, sensuous enough to distract me from the love that I have for your mother. But he said, he gets me when he comes after my children. He knows how to get you. He knows how to come after you. you we, we've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, yeah, we have all of this in Christ. And Paul said this, and he, here's, the, here's, the, here's the deal, y'all. Here's the whole thing. If you are going to win this battle, you got to first sit, learn how to sit, learn how to walk in holiness, and when the time comes for the spiritual battle, then you can stand. That's the word I really want to hone in on this morning, standing. Standing. Because I'm telling you, listen. If you're not walking in holiness, if you're not walking carefully, if you're not walking in Christ's love, if you're not living this life, this abundant life that God's given you, in recognition that everything is from Him, of who you are in Christ, then when the time comes and the battle comes, you're not going to be able to stand. There's a progression here in the book of Ephesians, and you cannot switch those around. There's, there's no way. There's a war... This going on. When you got saved, it probably wasn't very long until you were looking at the devil face to face. And all of a sudden, you began to realize that this, this Christian life, that, that, um, that this new life, this new nature that you've been given, is something that you're going to have to fight to keep. Now, you're not going to lose your salvation. Matter of fact, you're not going to lose your position. And I'm going to show you something, and, and you know, maybe we'll get some praise the Lord's and some hallelujahs this morning, okay? Maybe we'll get some victory this morning, because I think we all. Now, now, here's the deal, y'all. The devil, write this down. The devil doesn't fool with people who are sitting on the sidelines. Okay. If he can get you sitting on the sideline, if he can get you off the road, then you know what? He ain't gonna worry about you. He, he's got you pretty much where he wants you. And 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 so and so he comes. He comes to us. Now we're gonna look at the armor and the praying and all that stuff in the weeks ahead. But I want to talk to you just just for a moment on this matter of standing. Being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I've heard this before. And I just want to get this straight. There is no way that you can try to live the Christian life. 
I've heard people say to me over and over and over again, man, I'm trying to live the Christian life. And, and you know what? You were never, it was never intended that you, that you try to live this life. Here's the, 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 the meaning behind that. I think what Ephesians is telling us is living the Christian life is impossible. That's why the word in Christ, in Christ, in Christ is used. It is Christ in you that's the hope of glory. It is Christ living his life through you. You let him live the Christian life. Okay? Does that, does that make sense at all? We're going, man, I've got to witness, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. You can't, listen, you'll never have any success doing that. Try. The Christian life was never intended for us to try. The Christian life, there's probably a word in the Christian life that we should never use. And it's the word striving. Rest in Christ. Now, I know that it's probably going to be a shocker for some of you. But the fact of the matter is, the only life that pleases God is His life. And if He is living His life through you, which is what the intention of salvation is then you can learn to have victory over these things that, that's going on in your life, okay? So he says, look, here's the deal. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Doesn't say anything about your own power. Doesn't say anything about your own strength. It is His power and it is His, it, it, it is his strongness. It is His it is his ability to live that life through you. The word abide in the Bible is a good word to explain what we're talking about here. But here's the fact of the matter, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're in one of two places. If you're not struggling in spiritual warfare in your life as a Christian, then you are in the world. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's almost as if, listen, you, you say sometimes, well, you know, the devil leaves me alone and that's fine. If the devil leaves you alone, that means you're probably not walking and sitting where you need to be sitting. And when the time comes for you to be attacked, then you're not going to be able to stand. I've got a whole bunch of stuff here this morning, but I just, listen, I, I, I'm going to move on, okay? I, I'm going to move on because there are just some things that I want to say, and, um, and I'll find them here in just a minute. So, we are wrestling. Uh, my grandson wrestled. You know what a wrestling might Some of you, Lee, when, when, when Tim wrestled, kept a crick in her neck the whole time. He was not only wrestling, she was wrestling. And she had neck issues, and we didn't know why. It was because she was so tense watching that wrestling. That's kind of the way it is, kind of the way it goes. So, so the first thing that he has shown us here, if you're doing an outline, just do this. The first thing he's showing us here is the soldier's preparation. The soldier's preparation for battle. It begins with this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen. You cannot, and I've said it, you cannot enter a holy war without being able to rest in Christ. Secondly, by the strength of the Spirit. You must follow Jesus Christ practically 
living this holy life. If you're deficient in either one of those, you're not going to be able to stand when the time comes for you to be able to stand. The soldier's preparation for battle. Your preparation for battle, your preparation for the game is to sit on the, 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 the notion, the knowledge of what Christ has done for you. Okay? And then to walk in that life of holiness. Then you'll be able to stand and fight in the battle. All right? The, the number two... The soldier's power. Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now listen, I want you to think with me just for a minute of Jude, verse 9. Jude, verse 9. This, this contention that Michael has with the archangel, uh, uh, Michael the archangel has uh, with the devil is... It's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. We don't have that. It, it comes from extra-biblical literature. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, it, it's still a fact. Okay, this, this, this really happened. So, so here is, here's Michael. And, and, and Michael is contending with the devil, disputing about the body of Moses. You know the story. And, and he's having a wrestling match with the devil. Now look at this. Here's, do you remember what Michael said? The Lord rebuke you. You see, Michael, the archangel, didn't have in his own power the ability to rebuke the devil. Now, in my younger years, I did one of the most foolish things I've ever done in my life. We were, I mean, I had seen this and I thought, you know, it was a great thing. It's what you got to be careful. Sometimes stuff looks pretty good, but there ain't nothing biblical about it at all. And so we get, went to this youth camp, and we're talking, and, and we're praying, you know. And I said, well, I'm going to do something right here. I don't want anybody to be. And I just kind of turned around, and I just I spoke to the devil personally and rebuked him out of that place. <laughs> uh, listen, I didn't have a Chinaman's chance of that happening. The Lord rebuke you. He's the only one powerful enough to do the rebuking. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But the resisting of the devil comes and the standing against the devil comes in the power of God, of submitting yourself to God. There it is. Sitting with God, walking in holiness. Because I'm telling you what, you're no match for the devil and neither was Michael. I promise you this right here and I've come to believe this. There is nothing in the Bible that says that we are to do that you'll ever accomplish by trying. Not one thing. God wants us to be strong in him and in the power of his might. We need to be strong. That's an interesting word there because it carries with this idea of being daily strengthened. Okay? There's a different, different word that's used here. And it's a word that, that's kind of an imperative that says not, not, not stand... Not walk, but to be walking, continually be walking, continually be strengthened. You go to the Lord every day. 
and tap into that strength, being daily strengthened in the Lord. Day by day, in all of your Christian walk, in everything that you do, God's life is transferred to you in communion when you're in communion with Him. Okay? Sitting, the walking, y'all with me? Y'all all right so far? Okay. So thirdly, this is, where we're going, this is where we're going. The soldier's position in battle. The soldier's position in battle is, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Your position is standing. Standing. Now, the Greek verb there, stand, has a little preposition in front of it, Okay? Now, your translations probably say something like stand against. Okay, stand against. But in the, in the Greek language, the against is first. So he says against, stand. Stand against, stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay? You go, well, he's pretty powerful. I don't know if I can do that. Here's what that means. Stand your ground. Now, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The ground that you are standing on is not disputed by us. It is disputed by the devil. It is our ground. We own it. It's the enemy that wants it. Y'all with me so far? We don't need to struggle to keep it. But we need to make sure that the devil does not get a foothold in it. That's why it's not struggle for. You see, it's not struggle for. That's why nearly all the weapons that we read about are defensive. Now, I know we said the sword of the Spirit, but there were even a sense where the sword of the Spirit is to be used as a defensive weapon. Here's the great news, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ fought this offensive battle, and now all we got to do is be on the defensive. And we do that by standing. We're not moving forward. We're not charging the gates of hell. Because you know why? Jesus Christ already stormed the gates of hell. We don't have to. He's already taken that territory. The territory is yours through the work of Christ. We are brought near, the Bible says, by the blood of Christ. We're not holding our ground or standing by attacking. We are holding... By defending what is already ours. Here's a great thought. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Because the victory's already been won. Now the devil don't want you to know that. The devil doesn't want you to realize that. But here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen. The devil doesn't need to be defeated. 
He is already defeated. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The devil is a defeated foe. The devil can't take anything in your life that, you, that you're not giving him. And the, the work of the believer is that we stand our ground. We don't give up the ground that is ours. Because here's why. Some of you are struggling right now. I get that. Some of you, some of you are just you're having a hard time. And the devil's really attacking you. And you, you just feel like you want to you, you run. It gets discouraging sometimes, doesn't it? We pray and we pray and we pray and we pray, and it seems like nothing happens. And we're wondering if this Christian life is even worth living. But then all of a sudden we read from the book of Ephesians, stand. Watch Mani had a real problem one time in his life and he's going through some difficult circumstances. And he writes this little quote in his book. He said, I, I, I went over to Revelation. And I read in Genesis. God created everything with the word. He destroyed everything with his breath. And here I am trying to create a tropical storm. Now let me tell you something. Stand your ground. Because, listen, if you turn and run, I, want, I, I saw this this week. I'm going to tell you something. I've never thought about this before. There are no provisions for the back in the armor of God. And if the devil can get you off your victorious ground in your Christian life, then it's going to be easy for you to sin. Y'all with me? Y'all look like, oh, I never heard that before. Well, okay, that's good. Be easy to sin. We get dejected. We think God's not with me. I'm not blessed. I can't do anything for the Lord. I must look poor in his sight. And the devil is pumping all that into your mind. And while he's doing that, we forget that the victory has already been won. But if we forget that, if we don't stand our ground, if we don't stand where we are in conviction of knowing that our salvation is secure, that God's promises are true, then it's going to be easy for us to sin. Oh, man, I'm saved, but, but I just, I, I just, I don't know why I just fall into these temptations. I fall. You're not standing your ground. You're trying to find a battle in your own power. There's no provision for the back. You know what that means? That means in the Christian life, ladies and gentlemen, there is no retreat. And if you retreat and turn and run, the devil's arrows are going to hit you right in the back. As long as you've got that armor on, as long as you're standing, there's not a chink in that armor anywhere. But it's when we move, move off of our ground, when we turn our backs, when, we, when, we, when, when, the, when the fire gets hot and we want to run, and things do get difficult. I get that. But the fact of the matter is, we got to stop trying to gain the victory and just start maintaining the victory. Too many of us are asking the Lord to do things He's already done. You know what? In the midst of your difficulties, what do I do? Praise Him. 
I heard Tony Evans' son when he was speaking about his mother. And he, and he was, look, I, I, I thought about this because I, I prayed the same thing. I, I didn't have an opportunity to pray this way for my daughter. I, I just didn't. When we got the call, she, she, she's already in glory. But I watched my dad. I prayed the Psalms. I prayed all the prayers in Scripture. I, I looked up all the great prayers. I prayed those prayers. I, I know y'all have to. I do. I, I really do. But, but he probably said something that made more sense to me than anything I've thought about. Because my brother called me sometime later. Because I don't mind telling you, I was sideways with Jesus. For not letting my daddy live. And my brother called me one day and he said, listen, God didn't answer your prayer. He answered daddy's prayer. But the fact of the matter is, listen to this. Here's what he said. Just two things that, that stuck in my mind. He said, the Lord said to him in those prayers, what's the big deal? She's going to live or she's going to live? She's going home or she's going home? That is, that's standing your ground. That's, that's victory on the ground that God has given us. Jesus Christ has already defeated death. He's already defeated hell. He's already defeated the grave. You don't have to try to do that. All you have to do is stand in that. I suspect that there are some of you facing defeat this morning as a Christian. I look at the faces of our college kids Every Sunday morning, and I see a desire, a real desire to live this life, but they are just sometimes flat on their face in defeat. We cry to God to give us victory. But God just does this. He points you to Calvary. Oh, God, give me victory. Look at Calvary. Because on that cross, Jesus Christ conquered death for us. And as the Spirit points us to Calvary, we see the victory on that cross through the death and through the resurrection and through the ascension and through the giving of the Holy Spirit and fullness to men and women and boys and girls. In Christ, we have won. Listen, if I could just lift you up and show you those spiritual realms, those things that we would see that are ours in Christ and see ourselves with all of the blessings. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that you don't fight the battle. The battle has already been fought for you. And I don't care what you're going through here this morning. You are a victor. So as we begin this new year, as we begin thinking about these battles that we're going to face, dig your feet in, put on the armor of God, submit yourself to God, sit, revel, soak, the blessings that he's given us. When you get up and leave, walk in holiness. 
Walk in a manner worthy. And when the time comes for you to be able to stand and take on those attacks, listen, you'll have the power to do that because it will be his power, not yours. It is not, listen to me, your battle. It is his battle. Thank God he's already won it. So when defeat comes, when temptation comes, when all that stuff comes, here's one good thing that you can do too. As the Holy Spirit would point you to Calvary, point him to Calvary. See that right there? I'm struggling. I'm going through a difficult time. My life is falling apart. My children are wayward. My finances are all to pieces. Whatever it is, get down on your face, and I'm going to tell you, in your praying, learn to praise. And when you're praising and you're praying, I'm telling you what, victory will be recognized. Victory is yours. It's already yours as we fight from victory. Stand your ground. In this new year, just stand your ground. You know what? What are your non-negotiables? Stand on it. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people say about, well, you know, uh, the, the Bible has changed over time. No, it hasn't. It says what it says. Now, I'm going to tell you all something, and, I'm, and I get this. Joel Osteen probably gets as much criticism as anybody, and rightfully so at times. But here's something that he said that I saw this week, and I had to agree with him. Because someone asked him about something in the Scripture. And here's what he said. I have to go with the Scripture. And they talked to him about times changing and cultures changing. Here's what he said. He said, well, the only way I have to look at it is this. A hundred years from now, that's still what it's going to say. And I'm going to tell you what. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And when the evil one comes, you just stand. There's an old hymn that goes like this. Fainting soldier of the Lord, hear his sweet inspiring word. I have conquered all thy foes. I have suffered all thy woes. Struggling soldier, trust in me. I have overcome for thee. Fear not, though thy foes be strong. Fear not, though the strife be long. Trust thy glorious captain's power. Watch with him one little hour. Hear him calling, follow me. Listen, I have overcome for thee. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you what. We have victory. We have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may be here this morning, and the fact of the matter is, if you're not saved, the armor of God won't do you a bit of good. Not a bit of good. Matter of fact, you don't have access to it because you're not sitting in the heavenlies. Okay? Putting on carries with the idea that somebody hands it to you to put on. Okay? So you can't do that. But you may be sitting here, listen, you've been struggling. You've been saying, man, you've been struggling this idea of who God is and what God wants to do in your life and, and, and how your life just all upside down. I'm going to tell you something. Coming to Jesus will be the best thing you ever did. It will not be the easiest thing you've ever done. It, it won't. It won't be um, candy, chocolate candy and roses. 
Sometimes it'll be thorns and rocks and stones. But I promise you this right here. If you have come to the place in your life, you hit that wall. You're striving. You're trying to live right. You're trying to do the right thing. And you realize it's impossible for you to do that. That's when the Holy Spirit comes and says, that's great. Let me do that for you. You may be here this morning and you know someone who is going through a struggle. Someone who is struggling and, 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 and wrestling with some difficulties in their life. If you'll notice, Paul, and we'll get to this, but Paul said, listen, pray, pray. You know, you pray with all supplication. That means praying for other people. You may want to come and pray for them. I, I don't know. I don't know what you want to do. But I will tell you this. Whatever, you know, whatever reason, if you want to come and pray, if you want to come and just get things right, if you want to come and be saved, if you want to come and join our church, if you want to come and pray for somebody else, we're going to stand and sing. And I told you last week, I'm not going to prolong this. I can't beg anybody and talk anybody into coming. But if the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart this morning, 